In this episode of Lawyer Business Advantage, I have a conversation with an immigration attorney who has become a LinkedIn business development expert. Roman Zelichenko is the founder of Zelichenko Creative, and his approach is very different from the conventional wisdom that you'll find online. Learn his unique, proven approach that has worked for his clients, coming up next on Lawyer Business Advantage. Welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage, your source for biz dev tips, wisdom, and inspiration. I'm your host, Alej Yajnik. We're unleashing your inner rainmaker in three, two, one. It's my pleasure to welcome to the program Roman Zelichenko, founder of Zelichenko Creative and an immigration attorney turned entrepreneur. Roman, how are you this morning? I'm doing super well. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm excited to talk to you today. Likewise, and thanks for being our guest today. You have a really interesting story, and when we connected, it, it struck me how unique it was. Would love to hear about your journey from an immigration attorney to an entrepreneur. So take us through that. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I never actually thought that I would be an entrepreneur. Uh, you know, studied. Um, was pre-law basically in college uh, and also studied finance, went to law school because I kind of wanted that challenge. I actually wanted to go into kind of a corporate or business law uh, type of field and fell into immigration law through my first year internship. And, you know, I'm an immigrant. Um, I came to the U.S. when I was a kid, but kind of grew up with the with an immigrant experience, living the immigrant experience in an immigrant household. Um, and, and, you know, through that experience, I kind of just fell in love with immigration. I realized that it really marries both the business side of life and also the personal side where as lawyers, uh, we help people start new lives, bring their families over, you know, really kind of, um, make fundamental changes. And it, it was a really good career. So I really kind of tripled down in law school, uh, it, you know, into the immigration field. I started a club, I took all of the uh, courses and sort of, uh, internships that were available was lucky enough. I graduated in 2013 and I was not, you know, we weren't still fully out of the sort of economic crisis in terms of job prospects. I was lucky, really lucky to get a great job uh, practicing immigration law, right? What I actually wanted to do. Um, and, and so, you know, great, like doing the thing that I wanted to do. And I say this all because again, throughout this process, I never thought, okay, let me do this for a few years and then start a company. Um, but when I moved, I was working at a firm in the DC area. When I moved there, uh, was doing the same type of kind of business immigration work and turned out that our, a lot of our clients were not just sort of your traditional kind of corporate entities, but a lot of tech startups, a lot of sort of, you know, really innovative tech companies that were maybe bigger, but still kind of operated like startups, you know, a lot of innovation, a lot of really cool stuff they're working on. And as I worked on their cases, I just started to see, wow, these people are building things like they're solving problems. They're finding, you know, areas of life um, that need disruption. You know, I know it's an overused term and it was just sort of this foundation started being <clears throat> started building in my head. So you yeah, got so into immigration. You really have a true passion for this. You started practicing law in the DC area and got exposure to all these tech startups and these companies that are solving these problems at mm -hmm. scale you make a big difference in the lives of individuals. These companies were doing it um, for, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of people. So the scale was much bigger 
and they were running an actual, an actual business, an actual company. So what happened with you uh, as you saw all of that? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think two worlds for me collided on the one hand, I was just always fascinated by and inspired by these companies. On the other hand, um, day to day, you know, as an attorney, not everything you do is always going to be super intellectually stimulating. There's a lot of work that just has to get done. And we're seeing this more and more now because there's sort of a, a heightened digital revolution in the legal space, uh, you know, with folks working from home, but technology in different industries, including the legal industry, typically comes out of the frustration or a need for, for change. And so I looked at what I was doing on a day-to-day basis. There was one particular process that I did in high volume that was really manual. I, I had to do it, but it, I just didn't love it. Um, it's essentially the compliance process that uh, is part of the H-1BB's application. Right. Um, you know, required compliance piece, et cetera, but it's just boring. <laughs> and, and, you know, <laughs> it's, it has to be done, but it's not particularly um, uh, intellectually stimulating. And so, um, and then I looked around and I saw, okay, well, there are already immigration sort of case management platforms, right? I mean, lawyers typically use, especially if you have a sizable firm, you'll have some kind of CRM or some other kind of tool where you track your, your cases and all that. Um, none of those companies had this solution that I wanted. And so I was like, someone should build this, you know, um, long story short or now long story, kind of long. Uh, I, I didn't say to myself, I'm going to quit the legal practice to go build this. I actually took a couple of interim steps. I was basically, uh, I went, I moved back to New York city where I'm from, where I am now. Um, and got a job at a fintech company as a kind of an internal business consultant. So, you know, they liked my legal skills and, and here I was able to leverage that, but also learn a ton about product management, project management, you know, user experience design, straight up like technology. It was really an incredible learning opportunity. And I think as I was sort of doing this, I started becoming more and more confident with the fact that um, I might have something to offer. Uh, on the side, I started consulting with startups, you know, because I'm a lawyer. Mm-hmm. I've been working as a an internal business consultant for three months. And all of a sudden, I'm turning to my friends. I'm like, hey, I'm a consultant. Do you need help? You know, and it, it was one of those things where like, I just did it. But now when I talk to lawyers, the lesson for me there that I extracted from my own experience was like, just say the thing that you want to be. And um, you will then be that thing, right? So like, I said, I'm a consultant. I did things for free for a long time. It was mostly kind of legal or pseudo legal legal work that I was doing, but I was doing it for startups, which meant that I was able to now get into startups, right? Like see what's happening on the inside. And I sort of eventually leveraged that to build my own business. Part of that, Roman, is you were willing to pay the price. You were willing to do what it took. You weren't expecting, okay, I'm going to be a consultant and now I'm going to make 300K a year. You started at the very, you know, at at, at the ground floor Mm -hmm. and then worked your way up from that. Yeah, I uh, definitely took a price cut or a, a salary cut when I went from being a lawyer to, and I mean, you know, it wasn't awful, but I downgraded my, I moved back home, right? Like I downgraded my life in some ways, but on the other hand, I was now moving in a direction that felt much more aligned with sort of what I recognized was what I wanted to do and be. And so um, how did you go from there where you're a consultant and you're, you're getting some experience now with startups. You're enjoying the business aspect of it. How did you go from there to being a LinkedIn marketing coach for lawyers? Eventually, I kind of weaned off my full-time job and, and sort of became a full-time, if you will, founder. Um, still had to do some stuff on the side to make money. 
That being said, I, I bootstrapped this company. The company's name is Laborless. We automate uh, LCA compliance, which is, again, that H1B uh, compliance process. Um, I bootstrapped the whole thing. What that means is I don't have a marketing budget. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm on, you know, I'd always been on LinkedIn, but very passively, I would just update it and, you know, find jobs through there or, or sort of maybe see, check out news. I never thought of it as a social media platform. And so when I finally launched laborless, you know, maybe I had shared one or two articles in the past, but it had never been from the perspective of I'm a content creator. But I, I, I still remember basically word for word that post on my first day, you know, I, I kind of took this, you know, Twitter or more so like Instagram, Facebook copy. And I wrote, you know, four years ago, I was a lawyer, you know, three years ago, I was um, a, a, a con- a consultant at a big company. Two years ago, I left that job to work on building a project. And today, you know, today I'm finally excited to launch. You know, it was like one of these kind of dramatic posts. Uh-huh. And that was the launch, right? And again, this was just an organic thing where I was like, this is a B2B platform. My friends are on here, colleagues are on here. I don't, I'm not very open on Facebook and stuff in terms of my personal life. This is something I'm absolutely open to talking about and LinkedIn felt like the right place. So that was my introduction to getting onto LinkedIn. Now to answer your question, LinkedIn has a publication uh, sort of tool where you can put out articles, long form articles. You can post on LinkedIn. You can also publish literally a full article. There's like a whole uh, word processing kind of feature in it. Um, and so as I published the, as I, as I launched the company, I was like, okay, well, I've got to put out articles. This is what startups do, right? They have blogs. And so let me blog on LinkedIn. So I started blogging about my process. I would do it once a month. Again, I was not very active. I never thought about, you know, working on being a professional, you know, LinkedIn coach or something like that. Um, I kind of just organically started to do the thing that I had to do to build my business. And over time, you know, the article would get a little bit of views here and there. And the first article that I uh, published that went quote unquote viral is really what changed it for me. Um, and that article was, it, it was something about like a conference I went to. And after that conference, it was an immigration technology conference. I stayed up till like four o'clock in the morning that day because I was so hyped and I was just excited and I wanted to write about it. So I wrote about the conference. I wrote about my excitement that immigration and law are finally kind of joining. Right. Um, and all this stuff, I published it the next morning or like, yeah, I think the next morning I woke up, you know, I went to bed at four, woke up at seven, edited and published it. And that was a Friday on Monday. I was going to another kind of access to justice conference here in New York. Um, I started seeing an uptick in views, which is cool. And then all of a sudden over the weekend, people started connecting with me, partners of law firms started connecting with me, et cetera. And that next week, I forget it was either Monday or Tuesday, I went to this access to justice conference. It was also kind of tech related. People were coming up to me being like, Roman, I read your article. And I was like, I don't know you. How did you hear about my article? <laughs> and they were, and they were like, well, the, a partner at my firm sent it to me and like one of their colleagues sent it to them. And I was like, Oh my God, this is crazy. Like, I put it out on LinkedIn and, and it, it actually got in front of people who aren't even my connections. I mean, that was, it was viral in the sense that it was sort of growing outside of itself. It was growing bigger than my network. And I think that was a pivotal moment for me because number one, I was extremely shy and I, you know, I was like all of a sudden people coming up to me like, Oh wow, 
great article and I was like, uh, I don't know how to deal with this, you know, <laughs> a <little> attention. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Right. I mean, you know, um, and, but, but more importantly, I was, I realized, okay, this is a content platform. And, and that was the mindset uh, shift that changed. And the last thing I'll say about that story was after that, it's not that I said, okay, cool. I'm going to start posting every day on LinkedIn. I just started looking at LinkedIn differently and understanding that it has power. And through that, looking at the rest of social media differently, you know, Instagram, Facebook, and I realized, number one, I would never have this kind of reach on Facebook or Instagram today, maybe a decade ago when they first came out because it was more, the algorithm was more favorable. LinkedIn just dominates in terms of organic reach. There's a lot that you said there that is fantastic. And I'd like to dig into quite a bit of that with you. Um, a few things that jumped out. One is you had content that went viral. And that is that is definitely one of those holy grails of social media is to have something that you post that goes viral. Um, the other thing you mentioned is that LinkedIn is just dominating when it comes to organic, um, organic reach. Um, can you talk a little bit about both of those and um, how they work together? Yeah. I mean, virality, like you said, is it's the golden goose egg and, and um, it's the, the idea behind it is if someone tries to hack into virality, maybe they can, um, but eventually the platform will catch up and, and sort of uh, correct itself. So the idea behind it, for the most part, if you read best practices, it's like, just put out good content. You know, I mean, yes, be smart with hashtags, be smart with, there are just certain basic things about LinkedIn. So for example, practical tips, LinkedIn, use three to five hashtags. Um, this is, you know, this is something that a lot of LinkedIn kind of experts have, have talked about for a while. If you put a hashtag farm sort of at the, at the bottom, not only is it confusing, I, my understanding is that the platform might actually look at that and say, okay, you're not putting out content. You're just you're just sort of spamming our platform and they might decrease the visibility of your post. Another thing, um, LinkedIn has 1300 characters, right? That it allows in a post. I think Facebook and Instagram, they may have limits. I've never reached it. I think Instagram does. I don't know about Facebook. They may, but it's, it's more right. LinkedIn is, it's less. Um, it's not as little as Twitter, but it's, it's, uh, 1300 characters. So what that means is, um, if you want to take up all that space, which I think folks should, because the more you write in theory, the more value you provide, um, don't write a block of text. Break it up with white space because visually, just practically as you're scrolling through your phone or through the screen, it is not visually, uh, it is visually challenging to read a large black block of black letters on white background. So, you know, little things like that are a good practice. But if you want to go viral, there will be people that'll say like, we've got the formula and maybe they do. But the reality is that um, unless you're doing something crazy and dangerous, you know, virality through like a blog is not going to happen unless you're doing, unless you're truly, truly uh, providing value. And so what I realized was that, oh, wow, the post that I put out provided value. Um, also let me keep in, let me, let me point out that when I say viral, that post, that article had about 500 people who read it. And when you look at like Instagram and all that kind of stuff, and it's like million views or hundreds of thousands of likes, you think, oh, 500 is not that big of a number, but think about it. Five, first of all, LinkedIn, these are B2B professionals. If you could have, if you guarantee that 500 of your target audience, if you're a lawyer and 500 of your prospective clients full on read one, an article you posted that you, that you wrote and were like intrigued by it, I'd say that would be a massive win, 
right? So virality, in a sense, can also, it's more about, for me, the function of how it gets in front of people versus like the absolute number of views or something. If yeah, it I'm, is, you know. I'm glad you brought that up, Roman, because my, uh, my, my uh, biggest post on LinkedIn um, pulled in, I think, 3,000. Mm-hmm. But you know what it was? It was a video I shot when I went to Africa about a, um, a mother and a, and a baby elephant just walking together. And the baby elephant's kind of running along and then it kind of stumbles and it's super cute. That got a ton of hits, right? Mm-hmm. And you could say, oh, that went viral. But that didn't drive my business forward. In your case, you had 500 views maybe, but people are coming up to you and saying, hey, I read this. This is terrific. You've got people reaching out and making new connections. I would argue that that 500 views is way more important than however many thousands of views people get by posting cute pictures because yours drive action. hundred percent. One hundred percent. And, you know, there's, there's all this like, there's all this sort of social media lore of you, you need to have your 100 true fans, right? You need to have those 100 people minimum if you want to sort of build a business or a lifestyle around whatever regarding social media. You need to have 100 people who will, as soon as you post something, they're reading it. Um, as soon as you're, you know, putting out a video, they're watching it. Uh, they, they consume your content because they follow you. They like what you have to say. Uh, and so that's really all it takes. Anything above that is, is awesome. But exactly. I mean, to your point, right? Like from a business perspective, and I love people. I like having friends. I like people from all walks of life. But from a purely business standpoint, the people who I want to connect with are folks in the immigration space because that's my network. That's sort of where I sit professionally. So having 500 people in the immigration or legal space read my, my article is yeah, absolutely, it's, it's way more valuable to me uh, than having 3,000 or 10,000 or 100,000 people you know, see my stuff. Um, yeah. And so when you think about you know, success, when, when, when people are talking about LinkedIn marketing and what, is, what does success look like for that, um, how would you describe that? Yeah, it's subjective. Um, I think when I work with uh, clients, uh, you know, to help them get better at, first of all, branding and marketing themselves in general, and then of course, more specifically on LinkedIn, I kind of first talk about like, A, what are your goals, right? Like, are you trying to grow your firm and trying to expand like crazy? Are you trying to just manage the firm size as it is now? Are you trying to whatever, like whatever your goals are, come to terms with that. That's number one. Number two, what is your brand? A lot of people don't have a brand. So in the immigration space, for example, so like you, you never, you've, have you worked with immigration? You have, right? You've worked with immigration lawyers. I've worked with several. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of folks who are not in the immigration space, um, if they're ever exposed to immigration, they think immigration is niche, right? Um, like if I say litigation, that's incredibly broad. If I say immigration, that's kind of feels like a niche um, sort of, area of expertise. However, when you're in the immigration space, it feels like saying the word immigration means nothing. It's like, do you do asylum? Do you do criminal, uh, um, you know, crimmigration as they call it? Do you do removal defense? Do you do employment visas? Do you do investor visas? And even within those, sometimes there are particular visa categories that people hyper-focus on. Um, and so, you know, it depends on like your, your brand really depends on what the world sort of knows about you. And I've noticed that a lot of solo and small immigration law firms, and I say this because it's probably the same uh, for litigators or for personal injury or whatever, they just say, I'm an immigration lawyer. But when I, but then they, they've been practicing for 10 years. And then all of a sudden it's like, my cases are drying up. 
And then I asked them about the history of their, pre- their practice. It's like, well, I started off doing asylum. Then I had a couple of H1B visas. So I started doing more of those. And then eventually kind of that turned into those folks needed naturalization. So I got them. So it's like, okay, you've been jumping around, right? And what that means is you're just taking whatever comes your way. And people on the conversely don't know you for anything and aren't coming to you for a specific purpose. So it's scary for people to want to niche down, but I find that niching down is really important for your brand. Now, how does that translate into LinkedIn success? The way it translates into LinkedIn success is having a really specific brand enables you to almost quantify how well, quote unquote, you're doing on LinkedIn and therefore measure success however you want to measure it. And the, the last thing I'd want to say is like, you're successful when you have 3,000 followers or you're successful when you have 100 likes because that's not why we're on LinkedIn. We're not on here for the metrics. We're on here for networking and for sort of business success. That is a terrific point. And uh, um, it's something I, I think a lot of SEO type companies can really stand to benefit from because when you're working with one of those, typically they're saying, well, we've, we've driven, you know, so many more views to your website and so many more um, you know, clicks on your ad or whatever it happens to be. But at the end of the day, that's not really driving your business forward. It may exactly. be, but it also may not be. And what's nice about LinkedIn is not only is it a social media platform, but it's also a networking tool and it combines both of those very well. So you can build real relationships. hundred um, percent. That being said, um, my philosophy on, on business development is, is all of the tactics that are out there, whether it's online ads or whether it's LinkedIn or networking or speaking or writing or what have you, they can all work for people. They all work for lawyers, but all of them don't work for every lawyer. And so some tactics aren't just going to work for some kinds of attorneys and that's totally fine. So in your experience, who is not a good fit for leveraging LinkedIn to build their personal brand? Yeah, I, you know, there are going to, there are probably a lot of detailed or very specific responses to that question. But overall, my philosophy is that anyone is. And here, and let, let me, let me kind of break it down for you in, in the immigration context. There are some immigration lawyers whose clients are companies or whose clients are investors or whose clients are, you know, let's say high net worth individuals. Um, those folks are more likely to be on LinkedIn than, say, Facebook, right? Um, and so for somebody who does business immigration law and their client is in-house HR at a tech company, it makes all the sense in the world for them to be hyper, you know, active on LinkedIn, connect with that immigration in-house person at their target company, establish a relationship, put out content, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and that is like direct business. Now, the other side of immigration law, for example, is like less of a B2B and more of a B2C, right? So if I'm a family immigration lawyer and I just help individuals from, let's say, Central South America come to the US uh, on various types of like family, you know, meet their family or, or visitor visa or something like that, I am not going to have all of those folks be on LinkedIn just because, you know, LinkedIn is very U.S. heavy. Um, it, it is, it, it's not as fun of a platform. So unless those individuals are themselves kind of more corporate professionals, the likelihood that they're on LinkedIn just statistically is much lower than, say, Facebook, which has, I think, 2 billion users or, uh, or, or Instagram, which has like 1.6 or something really high, right? Those folks are more likely to be on, on those social media platforms. However, if you're on LinkedIn and you're this kind of quote unquote B to C immigration lawyer, you can still benefit from it. 
Here's how. Number one, you put out content about your industry. And because it's a B2B platform, your content isn't, hey, you know, potential immigrant to the US, here's how I can help you. Your content is instead, here are things that I'm dealing with right now with this type of immigrant immigration demographic, right? And so your target audience then becomes your colleagues, right? Um, you can also put out videos that establish you as an expert in your field, you know, where you talk about a case you just did or something like that. Again, establishes rapport and expertise in the, in, in, um, in the eyes of your colleagues. Another thing is industry, uh, you know, organizations. So in immigration, it's AILA. One, it's one of them, American Immigration Lawyers Association. There are any number of like bar associations, et cetera. Those folks are all on LinkedIn. And those folks, what, guess what they have? They have podcasts. They have panels, they have boards, they have, you know, other kind of organizational things. But your colleagues are all, you know, lawyers just like you or, or, or folks who work for these organizations. If you're putting out good content, they're going to reach out to you and say, hey, this is really interesting. I've never seen an article about this. Would you mind, like, we'd love to have you on to do a podcast episode or something like that. And that's how you build your brand. And believe me, Every lawyer wants to, I mean, okay, not every lawyer, but it is really beneficial to be on a bar association panel or to have, you know, to have your article featured in some kind of magazine, right? Because the editor of the magazine is probably on LinkedIn uh, and things like that. Plus, if you're on Facebook too, you can then share that panel that you did, which further establishes your expertise um, to your direct client. So there's, while it's not a direct business development opportunity, like somebody who is more of a B2B, I still think that there are very few people who are, you know, like you said, not a good fit, uh, like truly. Yeah, they can almost, you can always, almost always find a way to make LinkedIn and most marketing strategies, by the way, work. I guess when I think about it with my clients, we're trying to figure out what marketing strategies work well for them. There's three things we're looking at. One is, do they have interest in that strategy? Uh, if they're not interested in the strategy, it's probably not worth pursuing because <laughs> they're not going to want to do it. Um, Two is that um, they have some sort of game plan. And it and I, sounds like from what you're talking about, having a game plan is really critical to being successful with LinkedIn. And the third is they are actually willing to commit the resources necessary to make that successful, whether it's time or whether it's money or whether it's a combination thereof. And uh, I guess probably that last bit uh, is probably what I'd like to talk a little bit about. In your, uh, in your experience, what level of commitment is required as far as time and money to have a, a coherent LinkedIn presence? Yeah, money free. Best thing ever. You can create a free profile. Don't pay for LinkedIn because uh, paid LinkedIn um, subscriptions are for job seekers for the most part, although I argue that you don't even need it. Um, and also for recruiters, more so for recruiters. That's how LinkedIn makes a lot of its money. Um, so I think very like no to low cost. There might be ancillary costs. So if you want to make images and you want to use like Canva and pay for, even though I use Canva, their free version is still pretty good. But, you know, like there are little things like that, or you want to put up videos and you want to get a mic, right? Like those are sort of costs that funnel back into your social media strategy. But LinkedIn in and of itself, always use it for free, um, at least to start. The number one thing in terms of commitment, forget about content, start off with having a good profile, good picture, good banner image, make sure you're your headline is, is the, is catchy and, uh, um, like clearly explains what you do and, and sort of, uh, advertises your value proposition. And then, you know, those are the, the main things. 
make sure you have a really strong about section and don't make it in third person. Don't talk about your accolades, write a little story basically rather about why you're doing what you're doing, why you're good at it, why you're passionate. Um, and then of course build out your profile. So if you have experiences like jobs and stuff like that, add that, um, you know, you don't have to put in a million bullets. Don't just copy paste your profile, but you know, that's, that's less important. Just make sure that you write what you've done. Um, and then yeah, of course, yeah. Roman, I've got to hold you up right there because sure. you take a different approach from other LinkedIn marketing experts. So if anyone looks at your LinkedIn profile and I encourage everyone to look at it, uh, your picture, for example, that will be called out by every other LinkedIn expert I know. And I know we've talked about this. What is your perspective on the conventional wisdom with regards to picture, headline, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, such a, it's, a, it's a great question and it's um, something that I've really been adamant about. And I was adamant about it before I sort of started even helping others with LinkedIn. It was just, I didn't, my philosophy was I did not leave corporate America and build my own company so that other people can bully me and tell me what pictures to put up on my profile. Um, I've had somebody say, hey, you know, they really wanted me on a panel about like leaving law and whatever. And they were like, do you have anything else? And I was like, do you guys want me on the panel? And they said, yeah, of course. And I was like, then take it or leave it. And guess what? Nobody died. Nobody died. Nobody said this person is unprofessional. I'm not talking to them. I'm not listening to them. So there are baseline things you should do. Have a, don't have a, a picture that will have a picture that makes it clear as to like more or less what you look like, right? So that people can connect to your face. So if it's really blurry, that's not very good. If it's like the lighting is really off, you know, don't make it perhaps not yet, or, you know, you passed out on the floor drunk. Cause that's just not a good look. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, if that's who, that said, if you're an actor, right. Who's like role is always playing drunkards on TV. That might make sense, right? There's always a time and a place for things like that. Don't be offensive. I mean, there's like super baseline human things that you should just keep in mind when creating your picture or, or when adding a picture. But the fact that I have a picture of myself in a beanie you know, and I'm outdoors. Let me tell you something. Every person who's like, oh, but it's not, you're not wearing a suit. I don't want to, I don't care about them. And, and and like, they're just judging me. For every one of those people, there have been five people that are like, oh, you like to hike, right? Like, that's why I put the picture on there because I love to hike. I love being outside. And um, I, that's what my picture represents. And and for the most part, you know, we make our, our business profession, our business connections end up becoming sort of you know, the stronger business connections end up becoming somewhat personal where you learn about their life, you learn about their likes and dislikes, not just about where they went to school. I think your LinkedIn profile should absolutely reflect that. Reflect that. So again, be professional, be courteous, don't be a jerk, don't be racist, don't be mean, etc. But you don't have to be a corporate buttoned up person unless that's who you are, just because you think that it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Bingo. The, the, the word that comes to mind is authenticity. And mm -hmm. that is a huge part or should be a huge part of everyone's personal brand is to make sure that how you're showing up, whether it's on LinkedIn or whether it's in other areas is authentic to the brand that you want to build. And, the, and that has to be authentic to who you are. Um, totally agree that in this day and age, uh, you'll be a lot happier if you're authentic to who you are versus trying to put forward an image that's just not you. <laughs> because it's so like, I mean, this conversation is much deeper than just LinkedIn, but we're hearing a lot more about it right now, you know, in the context of um, the sort of civil uprising, all the protests, you know, 
uh, the marches for Black Lives and 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 more, um, where people are talking about how exhausting it is to go about your daily life, especially at work, pretending and acting. It is emotionally and mentally exhausting, and that is a, on a much higher level. But fundamentally, to me, the idea is I just want to be myself. That is the fundamental sort of message that 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 sentiment sends to me, and and I feel like you know, LinkedIn is such a benign way of being yourself. Why would you make LinkedIn? Why would you have LinkedIn add to the sort of, you know, like emotional and, and psychological difficulty of living on a day-to-day basis? <laughs> There's make enough it challenges going on. Exactly. Right now. <laughs> exactly. Like make it your, make it you, make it who you are. Some people love putting on suits. Some people, that's where they feel most at home. Some people just like, they might want to be themselves, but they're not yet comfortable enough, like sort of unbuttoning if, you know, literally and, and metaphorically. So that's okay. Don't push yourself so much where you feel uncomfortable pushing. Right. Um, but, but at the same time, make sure to like be yourself everywhere you go. And I think, especially now that we're all in quarantine, quarantine for the most part, we're all going to LinkedIn much more than we're going to like the coffee shop. Right. So if anything, right now, your online presence is, is much more of a representation in terms of like ex- exposure to the world than, than your human self. Um, and so I think it's just super important right now, maybe perhaps now that I'm thinking about it more than ever before, to really create an online version of you that you feel comfortable with, that you're proud of, that brands you really, really nicely, um, because don't set yourself up for anything less than that. Yeah. So as we're wrapping up here, Roman, um, what are a few tips or, or just general advice that you have for people who are looking or for attorneys who are looking to get into LinkedIn marketing? Find your brand. And the reason finding your brand is really important is because it makes being authentic much easier, right? Um, so if, if your brand is, again, you're a lemon lawyer, right? You, you work on lemon law cases. Don't just, pill, don't just sell yourself as a litigator sell yourself as it sounds scary, but literally make your brand be, I help. I'm a lemon lawyer. Like I make lemonade out of your car accident case. I don't know, whatever, right? Like something like that. It'll make life so much easier for you in terms of putting out content because then people can expect the right, can expect a certain type of content from you given what your actual brand is. Um, And it also allows you to really be clear as to when you go after a client and they say, well, what can you do for me? It'll, it, gives, it gives you more license to say no, which is scary for small firms, but I'm sure, you know, the power of no type of thing of like, if you're adamant and very direct with what you want to take on in terms of work, um, it just has so many benefits uh, that, that ripple out. So having that brand is really important. So, okay, goals, brand. Once you've done that, make sure you have a really great profile. Again, Solid picture. It doesn't have to be really buttoned up unless you want it to. Make sure the picture is reflective of you. Have a banner. If you have that default blue and white banner, it's okay. It's not the end of the world, but it sends a sort of subconscious signal to people who are visiting that it's incomplete because that's the default image. So put something on there. If you own a firm, you could put a banner of your firm. Or if you love to hike, put a vista of you know your favorite peak. Or if you love to cook, you know, like make that a reflection of you because remember there LinkedIn is not Facebook. It's not Instagram. You don't have a lot of um, opportunities to sort of put pictures and things like that. That's okay. But having a picture sets up the vibe of your profile. So just 
look at it objectively and think, what vibe is my profile putting out? And is that what I want? Um, if the vibe is incomplete because it says some, it's, it's missing information, probably nobody wants that. But maybe your, your current thing says like founding partner of, you know, X law firm. Uh, and there's just a picture of like, and you know, there's some kind of generic picture on there. See if you could personalize it a little bit more, right? Um, one very concrete tip I always say is for the headline, which is that picture is that is the text underneath your name. Uh, the name, the picture and the headline are the only things that show up uh, on LinkedIn across LinkedIn when you comment or like, or something of yours is shared, uh, uh, you know, except for if someone's in your profile. So if your name is, you know, Jane Smith, and you are managing partner of JS Law, and you posted a, an article about something, or somebody liked a comment of yours. Notice, keep recognize, I guess, that people who come across that sort of notification of yours are going to see your picture, they're going to see Jane Smith, and they're going to see, you know, founding lawyer, whatever I just said, founding lawyer of JS Law Firm. That signals the only thing that signals to them professionally is that you are a lawyer. Now, if I asked you whether or not, if I asked you if that's a good marketing tactic, probably your answer would be no, because it says nothing about what you do. So one concrete tip is change that headline to something that, ex that explicitly, explicitly shows your value. For example, for you, it might be helping lawyers grow their firms. Maybe you could even be more niche, helping solos hire their first three people or, you know, whatever, like have that value proposition in there. That is more important than saying you're the founding partner of some kind of a law firm. Um, so that's a practical tip. And then of course, just in terms of content, just start putting out stuff. I know people are nervous and, um, and, and maybe feel exposed. Maybe they're afraid of being judged. You know, the thing I do when I talk to lawyers, I'm like, do you, do you, do you think you're good at what you do? And they say, yes. Have you had a lot of, you know, positive, you know, visas, you know, visa res immigration results? Yes. Are you nervous when you talk on panels? No. So why are you nervous about posting on LinkedIn, right? And when you back into that, they realize like, oh, I'm just not comfortable with social media and I get really clammed up about it. But truly, I am confident in my skills. I am confident, confident in, in what I can provide to my network and my sort of target demographic. I'm just not comfortable to put it out there on LinkedIn. But when you, again, when you come to that conclusion, you could be like, oh, why not? It's just a, it's just a psychological barrier I'm setting up for myself. So just start posting, be confident in yourself and your abilities, start posting content. You don't have to do it every day. Do it once a week, do it once a month, just start building that muscle. And as you do that, you will get more involved. You'll get better at understanding what good content is and what works for your client, your, um, your network. You're involved in a lot of different things at the moment. And in your headline, by the way, says disruptor. So <laughs> what excites you about Zelichenko Creative in the future? Yeah, so, you know, I, I do run two companies. The first one is the immigration tech company I mentioned before. And through that, I, I built that up, you know, I think pretty successfully to, you know, from the perspective of a bootstrap company through LinkedIn, find their authentic voice because I, I know the nuances of it. So, yeah, I mean, it's been really exciting helping folks build out um, their LinkedIn profiles, build out their LinkedIn presence, and many times just find the confidence uh, to start putting out the incredible content that's in their head out into the world. That is, you know, something that I'm really excited and passionate about. 
where is it going to go in the future? I don't know. I just launched my first uh, course. So I'll be doing like a live six week course with a small group of immigration lawyers. I want to, I'm excited for that. I want to keep doing that. Um, you know, just uh, help cool. continue, continue to help our industry as much as, as yeah. possible. Yeah. Well, your, your passion for your industry and your authenticity really comes through. It comes through every time I talk to you. And if people want to contact you, uh, how is the best way for them to do that? LinkedIn. <laughs> All right. Obviously, there's an email, but uh, I say go on LinkedIn. My name is Roman Zelichenko. There's no, there's nobody else I think in the world with my name. Um, <laughs> connect with me. Send me a note, and this is good practice. I like sending notes when you connect to, connect to someone, so you could say, um, you know, heard your podcast episode. Would love to connect. It just helps me not have to assume that you're a spammer. So yeah, definitely on LinkedIn. Terrific. Well, Roman, thank you so much for being on the program today. Love the episode. And I know our audience is going to get a ton of value out of it. Thank you, Ale. Really appreciate you, uh, you having me. And it's been a pleasure. Everyone, that is Roman Zelichenko, founder of Zelichenko Creative, immigration attorney, entrepreneur, and LinkedIn expert. Thank you so and much. That's a wrap. To get more episodes, webinars, and free stuff, visit lawyerbusinessadvantage.com. My name is Ale Yajnik. Thank you for listening, and remember, there is a rainmaker inside everyone, including you.